Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you first loved us. Thank you that when we were hopeless and lost and confused and broken, you chose us. You set yourself apart for us. You came to visit us and you gave yourself unconditionally to us. You are the God above all creation. The heavens are your throne and the earth is your footstool. Holy, holy are you, Lord God, who was and is and is to come. You are our king. You are the one who loved us. Thank you so much for dying for our sin. Thank you for dying, not just to cleanse us of our sins, but so that we may know you and walk in relationship in the peace and hope and joy and purpose of knowing you. Thank you, Lord, that we have all of eternity to love you back for the love that you continually pour out for us. Thank you, Jesus. You are the King in Jesus' name. Holy and wonderful and gracious name. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. This is week three of our Love Does series, inspired by the book Love Does, by the great author Bob Goff. I think you would enjoy and appreciate it if you haven't ever heard of that book and you're going to graduate from Elevate, you will be receiving that book at graduation. You're welcome. I want to jump right in. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. You have heard this passage before, but I hope that it brings new meaning tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to begin at verse 4. You ready? You've probably read this on a wedding invitation. Holy Spirit, come, anoint our ears to hear it fresh. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Another translation says that love never ends. I love that last section. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Don't miss this. It endures all things. Love never fails. How can the Bible boast such a crazy statement, a statement that is obviously disproven every day around us? What is the the deepest core love that you can imagine? How about a mother's love? Patty at the Pregnancy Resource Center, she's the president over it, and she often is counseling girls into keeping their babies instead of choosing abortion. And she told the story the other night at Hope Restored that they discovered a baby tied up in a trash bag in the river, a baby that had been alive when the mother put it in there. 
umbilical cord still attached. God. I thought maternal love was supposed to be the pinnacle, the unfailing, the unmoving kind of love. What about marriage? Till death do us part? Obviously, that's supposed to be a love that never fails. And you know what? Good news. Divorce rates are down in 2018 from over 50% to somewhere between 40 and 50%. That seems like good news, right? But it's not. Because couples aren't choosing partners more wisely. They're not growing in persistence. They're not discovering some sort of deeper love. The divorce rate is down because many couples are choosing not to get married at all and to just live together instead. So this sinking divorce rate is not because of greater decisions for commitment. It's because of decisions for less commitment. How can the Bible be true? How can it claim that love never fails, that it endures all things, hopes all things, believes all things, and bears all things? Key number one, because the Bible never claims that love is an emotion. Don't miss this. I'm going to say it again. Pay attention. The Bible never claims that love is an emotion or some kind of feeling that operates as a relationship glue. In fact, the Bible speaks very strongly against this myth. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The idea of following our heart is not a biblical concept. That is a cultural myth. We've been talking the last couple of weeks on what the Bible does say about love, about how love is a choice, about the definition of love is choosing someone and setting ourselves apart for them. If you were to define love, it would simply be this. I choose you and I set aside myself for you because number one, love is sacrifice and nothing less. Number two, what we talked about last week, love decreases distance. It closes the gap between one and another. And tonight, love is unconditional. Love is a choice. Love chooses another. If this outlook is true, then it frees us to love under difficult or even impossible circumstances. If love was conditional, then a mother could never love her problematic child, especially when it poops all over the blanket, the sheet, and the carpet in one fell swoop. If love was unconditional, then a couple couldn't romance each other for over 40 years. If love was conditional, then a persecuted Christian could never love their jailer. But real love is unconditional. Truth is truth wherever you find it. In the Jewish Mishnah, it reads this way. Whenever love depends on some selfish end, when the end passes away, the love passes away. 
Should I read that again? Whenever love depends on some selfish end, when the end passes away, the love passes away. But if it does not depend on some selfish end, it will never pass away. Love chooses another sacrificially. Love decreases distance. That love never fails. Thank God for Jesus. He gives us grace and he gives us mercy. I want to define those very quickly. Mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Think about the punishment that is deserved for sin. Mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. We do not deserve heaven. We do not deserve God's joy or peace. We do not deserve his many blessings that come from serving him. We don't deserve the very breath in our bodies. Those are all graces. Love is a grace. Love is a grace every time. And you know what? It's most recognizable when it's not deserved. Love is choosing commitment even when it's difficult, when it doesn't have happy feelings, when it's hurt. Love chooses anyway. That is real love. I was very moved by the story of a couple in our church at the past marriage conference. And this couple very honestly discussed how one was unfaithful multiple times and it caused a division in their marriage and it was through Jesus and a choosing of commitment that they chose each other that they reconciled through a choice for commitment. And it did require sacrifice. It did require a pursuit for nearness. And it did require steadfastness in being unconditional. And that couple gave a testimony to their marriage that they have even after those terrible times, even after one person chose to stop choosing the other and it was reconciled. The message of the Bible is reconciliation. Reconciling relationships is God's favorite thing to do. That's the whole point of the Bible. God reconciling man to himself and God reconciling us to each other. Romans 8, 35-39 talks about God's love. Are you ready for this? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation... Distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, as it's written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from what? From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that sound like unconditional love to you? That's God's love. What can separate us? Nothing, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. Unconditional love, God's love, it's never going to happen based on human emotion, human feelings. Our feelings are way too fickle. They're all in one day and they're bailing out the next day. Highs and lows, lefts and rights. 
Maybe that's the key. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Did you follow that? I'm not living through my emotion. I'm not living through my eyes or my perception or my logic or my decisions anymore. But the God who gave himself for me, who role modeled love at its most unconditional, at its deepest sacrifice, at its greatest pursuit to be close, that God lives inside of me and it's through his spirit that I now live my life. It is impossible to love with our human, frail, fickle, broken love, selfish love. But we don't live through ourselves anymore. We live through him, and he lives through us. It's not in our strength or according to our feelings. We love without condition because (laughs) Jesus, who lives in us, lives out of us. And as we grow in maturity in Christ, our relationship with the Father deepens and he pours his heart into us and we're able to surrender all of that fickle love and begin to operate out of perfect love, God's love. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, are you ready for this? I'm not going to read it until you're ready. (laughs) Because some of you are like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't think I've got what it takes. Second Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to us. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. What is God speaking to us tonight? to you and to me about those difficult relationships or those people that we've decided to isolate. You know what? Racism is not a social problem. It's not a a mistake. It's not bad culture. Racism is sin. It is unrighteousness. And it's certainly not love. And God has called us to be lights in dark places. And every time we say, I'm sorry, I don't really fit in with them, or I don't like them, or they frustrate me too much, I'm not going to take my light there. We are acting out. We're acting out the same prejudice that we're so quickly willing to condemn in the culture around us. God didn't call us to be light in bright places. He called us to be light in dark places. That is the God we serve, and that is the mission he's called us to. And we are called to love the unlovable. We are called to pursue those who reject us. We are called who? We are called to sacrifice for those who would use and abuse us, to love our enemies, to do good to those who would use us. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in (laughs) me, weakness. Here's a beautiful little story that I think wraps up all three weeks. Week number one, love is sacrifice and nothing less. Week number two, 
Love decreases distance. And tonight, love is unconditional. There was a man who was imprisoned for a crime he did commit. It was just that he was there. He left behind a young wife who every opportunity, every time they were visiting hours, was there at the prison on the other side of the glass. Week after week after week, she was faithful. Week after week, she would return his letters, constantly there, encouraging him, loving him, staying faithful to him. Years went by, and finally, only several months out from when he would be released, his wife stopped coming. Black and white, just one day, didn't show up anymore. Didn't return letters. She wasn't there on the other side of the glass. He was confused and distraught and couldn't imagine what happened to her. And so the first thing that he did, as soon as he walked out of those gates, a free man, is he went looking. Where's my wife? Where's my wife who was so faithful all this time? Oh my God, had something happened to her? Had she been in a wreck? Oh my God, what if she fell in love with somebody else? What if she's left me for another man who wasn't incarcerated? And all these questions surging through his mind and he goes home and the home is empty. And he goes to the neighbors and they didn't know anything and he goes to her family and finally he finds out the news. That the years of strain of holding together everything at home, of trying to provide and trying to serve him, had taken their toll mentally on her. And the day came where she emotionally cracked and she had been admitted into a mental hospital. He drove over there to meet her. When he went into her room, she was completely catatonic, completely unresponsive. She had had a full mental breakdown. But all those years of her faithfulness (laughs) They had left quite a mark on him. And so he began to go to her regularly now, constantly pursuing her, sitting and talking to a woman who was unresponsive. And he started taking her to a counselor. And the counselor recommended that maybe if he were to take her back to familiar places, places that they had shared their first kiss or shared special moments, that perhaps it might bring her back. And so he took her on a cruise the place that they had honeymooned after their wedding. And they're out and he's wheeling her around in a wheelchair and he's talking to her and pointing out the sights and there's energy all around him and people are moving and dancing and eating. And as they're crossing the Lido deck, he crosses a group of several young women. And as he passes, wheeling his wife, he overhears one girl say to another, What a shame. What a shame that someone like that, a handsome guy like that, is a slave to her. (laughs) He couldn't believe what he heard. (laughs) Quickly, he wheeled her away as fast as he could, hoping to God that she didn't hear what they said. He returned her to the room, and he went out looking for those girls. And when he finally found them on the Lido deck, he confronted them and said, you would be so lucky to command so willing a slave. 
you would be lucky to command so willing a slave. Unconditional, decreasing distance, sacrifice. What Jesus has given for us, what he has poured out, what he has sacrificed for us can only merit the response of unconditional love. To only res- can only garner the response for us that we say, may you command such a willing slave. I'm yours. And then that God who paid a debt we could never pay commands us to look around and give that same kind of love that he gave us to the world around us, to the people that are easy to love and the people that are hard to love. Sacrifice, decreasing distance, unconditional. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. How can the Bible boast such a lofty statement? Because it's not boasting in my ability to love. And it's not a boasting in your ability to love. It's boasting in God's love. The God who calls us his temple and now lives in us so that we no longer live through our emotion our brokenness, our selfishness. We now live through the Holy Spirit of the Almighty God who is in us. And we begin to act and care and hope and endure and bear the way that Jesus Christ loved us. Here's your challenge for this week. Challenge part one. Don't quit on someone. There's someone in your life that's hard to love. Don't quit on them. Or if you have quit on somebody, go try again. Go back. Remember that person that you gave up on. They were just too hard to love. And try again. Challenge number two, reevaluate how you picture your role in loving another Reevaluate how you love a parent, how you love a friend, how you're going to love a future spouse. Process that. Reevaluate your love for a sibling. Reevaluate your love for an enemy and hold them up to this test, the test of three. Sacrifice, decreasing distance, unconditional. And may the God of love begin to chisel away at the stony parts of our hearts. May the God of love replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. May the God of love flow through us freely, dislodging all those things in us that we've been holding on to 
Heavenly Father, anoint your people. Let us be carriers of infectious love. Empower us, discipline us, strengthen us to love like we've never loved before. Lord, I pray that we begin to process what we've always called love through these three things. That we'll begin to see the empty love that the culture presents to us. And then we begin to recognize those little glimmering lights of true love around us. And I pray, Lord, that you'll ignite us to be one of them. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, you are faithful. We surrender ourselves to you. And Lord, we know that you're going to get us where you want us to be when you're ready for us to be there. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.